When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's that time, ladies and gentlemen. It's Plank of the Week from Talk Radio TV with me, Mike Graham. Welcome to another fascinating edition of the one show that you need to see to understand just why everything's gone so wrong. It's all about the people that have been plankish, the people that have done idiotic things, and I'm delighted to say uh, that I've got two stalwarts here with me, Emily Carver, uh, who's been doing this pretty much since the beginning of time, haven't you? Uh, very much. A, uh, I don't want to call you a veteran, that would be, that would be rude. <laughs> uh, Russell Quirk, of course, uh, also who's been here since the beginning. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Um, I don't know who to start with. I think, Emily, you should probably kick things off if you don't mind me being sexist. That's absolutely that fine. Right? That's OK. That's so chivalry. Thank you very um, much. I'm I, known for it. <laughs> I'm going to go for uh, Chancellor, the Chancellor, the Rishi Chancellor. Sunak. Rishi Sunak. The Chancellor. Um, because he was doing a Treasury Select Committee, he was appearing before one yesterday, being asked questions about his spring statement and so on, his mini-budget. And he said... Um, when asked by a Labour MP, Angela, Angela, Angela Eagle, that he's never claimed to be a tax-cutting Chancellor. Oh, yeah. And this is quite an extraordinary claim, seeing as he's made a statement saying that he's pro-tax cuts um, probably more times than you can count previously. Indeed, in the spring statement, he said that he wanted to reduce the tax burden. And there he is, trying to cover his back <laughs> by saying that he's never claimed to be a tax-cutting chancellor. And also, even if that were true, even if, there were accurate, even if that were accurate, that he's never said those words, he's a Conservative chancellor. Ergo, yeah. you want to ta uh, cut taxes. So I think it was a very plankish statement. And then, of course, he appeared on Julia's show, yeah. I believe, Julia Hartley Brewer's show, and he was asked the simple question of what is a woman? And he couldn't define what a woman was. Once again, um, of course, he's not the first uh, MP to not be able to. Are there any MPs that can define a woman? It's seemingly not. At least the Prime Minister said that bi biology matters yes. when defining what a man is and what a woman is. Okay. Um, but Rishi simply deferred to Boris's answer by just saying, I agree with the Prime Minister. He didn't say why, he didn't say how, he couldn't even repeat what the Prime Minister said. So I guess you could say that was a bit of a car crash interview. It was. It hasn't been a great week for Rishi Sunak because the whole delivery of the budget statement was as if he was kind of telling us, you're all going to be so much better off now because look at all this money I'm giving you back. Oh, but I am actually putting up your national insurance contributions. But don't worry, because we'll be moving you out of tax. Uh, you won't have to pay tax until you make 12,500. Now, call me old-fashioned, I'm sorry. If you're making 12,500 pounds, you know, whether you're paying tax or not is not really the issue. The fact is you can't afford to eat. This is all the money that he's already taken away from us, of course. Yeah. So in previous budgets, he's increased the national insurance rate for both employees and employers. Yes. And, of course, what everybody's forgotten, and from a business perspective uh, makes me recoil, is that he's increasing next year and the year after, corporation tax yes. from 19 to 24 percent. Yeah. So that's a five percent increase. That's jump. a 25 percent increase. And this is already for small businesses in particular. Um, and I speak as a small business here. Um, this is already after completely shaving every single 
ability for anybody who makes money by having their own business, mm. from making money through um, mm. um, any kind of dividends, yeah, yeah, yeah. from yeah. making money any other way. You know, they're just taxing and taxing and taxing. He's painted himself into a corner, and as you say, he's a conservative. The definition of a conservative, a proper be. conservative, is that you become a low I mean, tax. he's got Nigel Lawson hanging in his uh, room in number 11, apparently, who, of course, was a Thatcherite chancellor. So yeah. for and him to cancer. say that he's never but, claimed but to be a tax cut in his chancellor... budget speech, he did talk about the fact that the basic rate, which, of course, doesn't reduce until next year, so it's a gift later, it's yeah. not now. So we've still got to bear the burden of, you know, inflation and fuel costs and the national insurance rise and so on. Well, you're saying you didn't save any money when you went to fill your car up with petrol well, the other it's day. it's funny how that hasn't been passed on, it's gone it? down 5p. Yeah. And let's also not forget that now half, 50% of a litre of fuel is taxed. Yeah. And, and not only that, but Rishi didn't remove the fact that we now and continue to pay VAT on duty. So we pay tax on tax. Yeah. And they're making all the money. <laughs> yeah. They're keeping all of it. The place uh, where I went to buy my petrol this weekend it was actually more expensive than it was the previous weekend <laughs> after the five pence had been deducted. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how to do it. are rubbing their hands. Yeah. It's just literally it's going to end up on, a, on the oil company's bottom line. I mean, I can understand it's difficult for Rishi. You know, he's been able to splurge the cash. People have thought that that's never going to end. He now has to remind us all that we're paying, what, £83 billion in, in interest payments on our debts in the next year, that's the prediction. But so, you know, we've got to balance the books a little bit. Well, except we never asked him to hand all that money out, did we? And a lot of people didn't get it as well. Well, quite. The self-employed did yeah. particularly badly. So it does seem like he's hammering, um, you know, would-be Conservative voters or have-been Conservative voters, particularly those uh, middle classes. And then, obviously, people at the bottom are going to suffer the most from inflation. But it's just... Uh, it's yeah. all over the place. But he will be concerned, of course, because he's been one of the most popular Cabinet members ever because of the yeah, well, dishing out... to the real world. But now, of course course, his popularity is, is waning significantly. Yeah. And in the run-up to what will eventually inevitably be a leadership election uh, when Boris does decide to go or is ousted mm. for yet another scandal, um, maybe he's not now in pole position. That, I'm sure, will concern well, him. the other problem he's got is an image problem because he was this kind of, you know, very, very well-honed and very polished performer. Mm. Um, he's now starting to look as if there's a few cracks appearing. Like, for example, that ridiculous picture. He's, he's very good for posing at pictures where he's filling up a car with petrol. Apparently, the car he's filling up with petrol is not his car. Mm. He borrowed it from somebody who was at the petrol station. I mean, why would you do that? Because you surely you would what know... what would handlers somebody do? Somebody would find out about that, because it's a sort of small car. And then he was asked what sort of car he drove so that people could get a handle on how much he spends on petrol, and he went, oh, I just drive around in the family Volkswagen Golf, which turns out not to be quite as true as he would like it to be. He's actually got a £100,000 Range Rover, uh, and he's also got a very expensive Lexus... Uh, which he parks in his millionaire's ranch in uh, Santa Monica, California. Yeah. And he's also got um, a top-of-the-range BMW, which I is mean, worth over 100,000 quid. There mm. are some people in this country who don't like to see anyone with anything, who don't like to see people with more than them. I'm not one of and them. And there's a section of people like that. But I think the vast majority of people are, you know, would prefer a little bit of honesty and for him not to try to hide yeah. his wealth, Listen, which is care. just pathetic. Listen. If you look him up, we know he's married to a billionaire, we know he's got his own wealth. You know, you don't need to hide it in such an embarrassing, plankish no, way. No, because you know you're <laughs> going to be found out. Well, you're going to shoot yourself in the it's foot. It's kind of idiotic. I don't care that he's got a It's like when Boris went for that camping holiday with Carrie, <laughs> which just looked like, well, maybe that was all he could afford. The funniest story of all of Victor <laughs> Boris's adventures was when he went to Scotland and almost got swept out to sea. <laughs> I just think that kind of sums him up. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you almost getting swept out to sea? The Nicola Sturgeon, the SNP, blowing on him. I mean, 
I mean, if he hadn't run into Ian Blackford and clung on to him for dear life, you know, you never know what might have happened. Luckily, he was floating, bobbing about there. Anyway, that was another story. Um, yeah, but also, going back to the woman thing, I have to give an honourable mention. I'm not going to actually make him a plank today, but I'm going to give an honourable mention to Sakia Starmer, yes. who also, this week, has been incapable of defining a woman, and particularly when asked a specific question, um, is, can a woman have a penis? Mm. Apparently, he's not sure. Wow. I mean, and he's got kids. And he's got kids. The fear I mean, in how his, the hell does that work? The fear in his <laughs> eyes, though. You know, you've got this grown man who wants to be prime minister of this uh, fabulous country, and you just see him sort of quivering, his voice awesome. shaking, but him unsure of what yeah, must, I, mean, I mean, just get a pre-prepared answer. Yeah. I mean, that's you know literally that's as easy as that. You know that that's the question yeah, you, you're You would think get, that, yeah, right? they'd have some coordination going on in whatever WhatsApp group or other it is. But, it's, but doesn't this just define politics now? That... That politicians are so scared to speak their minds, yeah. make a point, and defend it. You know, instead they'd rather say nothing, and that's yeah. really, you know, it's doing their election. I mean, back in the days disservice. of Jeremy Corbyn, the halcyon days of Jeremy Corbyn's rule of the Labour Party, it was always about anti-Semitism and you know, sort of war and you know, the nuclear deterrent. It was about proper things. Mm. Now it's about penises, and you're kind of going. But how hard is it for him to say kind of women are women? Trans women are trans women. In certain areas, we have to bear in mind that biology matters first and foremost. Which is sort of what for Boris example, said, right? in sports. For examples, in, in women's spaces that are there for a reason. For example, in healthcare. Mm. I mean, how difficult but is that? Well, now we've got the NHS who are asking men if they're pregnant. Yeah, I we're mean, asking everybody if they're yeah, pregnant. The yeah, regardless of their sex, regardless of their sex, and not seeing the difference between you know sex and gender. Surely that's the point. You yes. know, be whatever gender you want, but you're still the same sex that you were born with. Surely they're fearful. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> this almost this show has almost become redundant. The, the amount of plankery out there, you could just literally have it on a row. You have a whole channel. Self, self you know, I used to have to sort of <laughs> plan and think for a long time. Yeah. Sometimes I couldn't even come up with three planks. Yeah, we now, were worried about that. Nowadays... Yeah. Now you have to whittle down a list of 15 yes. to three. I've somewhere. literally got about 20 every week. Yeah, yeah no, me too. And yeah. I sort of have to try and fold some into the others so that you can yeah. get them an honourable mention. Right, <laughs> anyway, uh, who's your first one, Russell? Talking of which, uh, mine is Save the Children, the charity. Yes. Oh, yes. Charitable. So the this charity is a, sector so definitely is plankish. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but get this. So <laughs> this is the charity uh, that's kind of what they do. The clue is in the name, I guess. It save is the really children. Save the children. Save the children. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all about raising money to the benefit of children in crisis. Yeah. Uh, what greater crisis right now than the three million refugees fleeing the crisis yeah. in Ukraine? Yeah. Um, so a very well-meaning North Sea gas company called Neptune Energy decided to donate £750,000 to save the children. Very nice of them. <laughs> which was then rejected by Save the Children <laughs> on the basis they didn't want it because it's a North Sea gas company and it does not fit their climate change policy. Can you believe... Oh, my God. So, so now think about the children that they're supposed to be serving and what that money could do. Yeah, I'm sorry I can't feed you this week, but... Yeah. But, uh, you know, but, but we worried afraid... about the temperature in the, yeah. the Antarctic. But you know what the, the ridiculous thing is, is that this company, from what I've read, is investing huge amounts of money in renewable technology, in green technology, well, in are. carbon capture. They all are, yes. Yeah. Mm. So why on earth, even on moral grounds or political grounds, would you decide that you don't want to take their money? Yeah, well, we do need these yeah, companies. Well, it's just more virtue signal, isn't it? it completely, they're going to turn off the gas to these kids as well? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, yeah. No yeah, coal how, for how, you? How they're going to be, um, how they're going to justify, yeah, heating them, warming them uh, in the future, I don't know. So, look, it, it's just, it's a ridiculous extension of how politically incorrect, or, yeah, how the political incorrectness has just gone mad, hasn't it? It's yeah. um, £750,000 not going to go to a worthy and needy cause. Yeah. I hope just... they backtrack on that. It's well, shocking. I don't think they not will, so though. 
Because the trouble is, is they're now all worried, these organisations, not so much about perceived or even possible future criticism. Um, they just want to make out that they can get out ahead of something and go, well, this is our policy now, so we don't take any money from anyone they, who's they've bad. they've lost sight of and their it's cause. Like, these are not criminals. Yeah, yeah they've lost sight of their cause. A genuine, you know, business, yeah, which the, is perfectly the, legal. The cause surely has to come first, right? So you set up a charity that is to help children in crisis. So regardless, if money comes in that is sorely needed, obviously it should be taken and spent. The fact that, you know, a woke board or whoever made this decision decides it doesn't fit their policy um, is absolutely ludicrous, mm. hence my nomination. Is, the thing is, anecdotally as well, and this is just anecdotal, but a lot of people are withdrawing their support from some of these big charities. I mean, Oxfam is the obvious one because yeah. of their misconduct in Haiti and God knows where else. Large, um, large areas of Africa. Yeah, claims of sexual assault, etc., etc., um, and underage sex and that sort. But I think people are voting with their feet and they're choosing much smaller charities to give their money to or ones where they know where the, which don't make these big political statements mm. all the time because that's not what, you're, what and, you want and, when and you're so giving money should. to something called Save the Children. The other issue with the likes of Oxfam, Save the Children and the NSPCC is that their administrative costs now eat into a huge chunk of what mm. they raise. You know, when you're paying chief executives £300,000 a year yeah. and a CFO of and that charity £150,000 a year... Yeah, well, so don't turn the money away. I mean, that, that's a big chunk of their expenses, yeah. let alone where it's supposed to go in terms of the frontline help. But it is an industry now, isn't it? I mean, the whole charitable sector has Gravy become train. an industry. I mean, it's London, Gravy train. for sure, yeah. it's full of loads of people who work for charities. Yeah. And they're all getting paid quite well and they've all got offices in a place which is very expensive. Well, let's, we don't I don't think the, the staff are paid particularly well, but certainly the management, is. Well, they're paid a lot more than the people they're supposed to be helping. Well, that's for sure, Who have yes. paid nothing. You know. sure. But you can imagine these decision-makers at this particular charity going to bed that night feeling very pleased with themselves that they've rejected yes. money from a North Sea gas company. Unbelievable. What idiots. I know, incredible. I'm going to go with the BBC. Oh, yes. Um, you'll be pleased to know for it's my a familiar one. nominee. Because, not because <laughs> of all of the ridiculous uh, nonsense that they do on a daily basis and on a weekly basis, but because they've just appointed the new um, presenter for the Sunday morning show that used to be done by Andrew Marr, um, what's it called? I can't remember. Sunday Politics. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday Politics. Sunday Politics. Is it for Sunday Politics? But it was called the Andrew Marshall. Andrew Marshall. It was the it Andrew Marshall. Anymore. Well, now yeah. it's going to be called the Laura Kunzberg Show, <laughs> apparently. Mm. She's been hired, having just resigned as political editor of the BBC. And I've got nothing against Laura Kunzberg. I mean, I don't think she was particularly helpful during the COVID press conference period. You know, when no. you get the three stooges, as I called them, Laura Kunzberg, Beth Rigby and old, what's his face, Peston. Peston. Who would always ask the first three questions. Mm. And I always tell the story about Peston. I was once in the car and I was listening to one of these press conferences and I, the phone rang, so I answered the phone, hands-free, I have to say, um, had a conversation for about seven or eight minutes, hung it up, he was still asking the same question. And I'm going, you ha literally haven't learned a thing and all the questions were, were always pointless and the answers were never good and never any use. Anyway, she's been now given the job of the new Andrew Marr show. £340,000 they're paying her. Now, I don't know if that's a pay rise or it's a pay cut. I suspect it's a pay rise because she's now the Thanks. premier presenter of the show. But I've worked out that on an hourly basis pro rata, that means I should be paid 5.1 million. Wow. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Because <laughs> she thought you already were. Well, we'd have to compare viewership, wouldn't we? Would we? Well, if I'm on for 15 hours, I can guarantee you I've got more viewers than she's got for one. Well, yeah. And is that and all she's point. doing? She's only doing she's one doing show. She's doing one show that's it. on Sunday morning for an, for an hour. And not every Sunday. She'll have breaks. Oh, she'll have holidays. Yeah, yeah. 340 Plenty grand. Plenty and off. I wouldn't even care because I don't mind people making money and I'm not jealous of her, but it's our money. Mm. 
Yeah, no, that's it the, is our money. That's the only point, really, isn't it? If it was ITV, it? I it wouldn't was care less. News UK, if it was another organisation paying her that much, that's up to them. Yeah, that's private money. But, but other organisations, of course, there's accountability, isn't there? So whether it's shared, and you can imagine there's a cast of thousands, cast of thousands putting that show together. Mm. You know. Yeah, yeah. And it's just—it seems to me it's just more. The you know, BBC every sort of six months they try to make out that they're, you know, they're reforming. Uh, they're trying to slim down a little bit. They're trying to be a bit more responsible with the with the money. They're trying not to, you know send people to prison for not paying the, the TV licence. And then they do something like this and you but, just but think, whatever, what's wrong with you? But whatever you? they're doing, it's not reflected in talent. I mean, talent is leaving them in droves. Yeah. I mean, every other week there's an announcement that someone's gone somewhere. Well, there's so yeah. many other options now. And they can be far more flexible because they can actually say what they think at other organisations, although obviously... The BBC trouble with all the people who are leaving the BBC and then telling us what they think is actually they sound even more idiotic than they did when on the BBC because not one of them has got a decent idea in their head. I had listened to Andrew Marr's show the other day. It was absolutely rubbish. I haven't listened. Eh? I haven't listened. Yeah, I mean, it was a mistake. I don't even know what happened. There's but too many other options. But even he's only doing an hour at a time, isn't he? Well, yeah, but you can't work too hard, you know, when you come from the BBC. Well, yeah, you wouldn't know how to. Also, they're, they're so used to having about 58 people around them mm. that going into commercial sets is a bit of a shock for them. <laughs> you probably have to cut it back to half an hour because, I mean, he's only got 25 people working on the show. Yeah, yeah, but it's What's ridiculous. I know. It, it really yeah. is. Absolute madness. And, I mean, we've now got a situation where the BBC shut down BBC Three, then decided to make it an online channel. Now it's back as a real channel. Mm. Well, I thought they were shutting down. Let's revisit this hey? and see in a few weeks, a month's time, how many viewers she's actually getting to that show, because I won't be watching it, that's for sure. Well, I don't think they get as many viewers as they claim to have anyway, mm. you know, because people will just sort of say, oh, yeah, of course. Mm. You know, we watch the BBC Sunday morning shows. Everybody does. Well, maybe they used to, but not anymore. Well, the way it's recorded is very inaccurate, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. It's just not very good at all. So those are my uh, uh, the first round of uh, planks. We're going to do three. We're going to cut them down to one. We're going to find out who's going to be the real plank. We'll be back with more plankery after this. Welcome to Plank of the Week. We've got Emily Carver here. Russell Quirk is here as well. I suppose I should give you the next uh, choice, Russell. Who's your second nominee? Well, he's a bit of a, a repeat offender, I think, a bit like your BBC, Sadiq Khan. <laughs> I'm afraid, I'm sorry. Um, you always managed to get him in there, don't well, you? Because there's so What's much. He done now? There's so much to criticise <laughs> yeah. him for. Well, what, what he's done... I thought he'd been quite quiet this week. <laughs> so, look, the, 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 the backdrop is, and, and, you know, I hate to use a kind of conservative election phrase, but we are all in this together when mm. it comes to cost of living crisis, cost of fuel and so on. Um, but Sadiq... He's got a nice Range Rover as well. Well, he has, yeah, rather than getting public <laughs> transport, as he keeps telling us to. I bet he doesn't pay the ULEZ and uh, the congestion charge, no. does he? Of course, of course not. not. No. So, um, he avoids those LTNs. So we're all <laughs> under the cosh. We're all suffering. Um, yeah. Except, in my view, tube drivers. So mm. tube drivers who don't do that much. Don't Not they? a bad job. A little though. handle like that. Yeah. You know, just release it when you come into a station and that's yeah. it. And look, sorry to do a disservice to tube drivers. That's basically the extent of it. Um, the average tube driver earns £56,400. Yeah. What's Sadiq Khan done? Uh, given them a pay rise. Mm. Uh, and in recent weeks and months, we've heard... Uh, kind of uh, objections from people that have been offered pay rises of 1%, 2% and so on, nurses, teachers and so on. What's Sadiq Khan done? He's given TfL and tube drivers a pay rise of 8%. Was it the, bank of the, was it the governor of the Bank of England who said that people shouldn't be asking for inflation-busting pay rises? Yes, of course. So, so, you know, to placate the tube drivers, I guess, so he can actually maybe stop them going on strike. This was the mayor that said at the beginning of his tenure, mm. I will stop all TfL strikes. And he's had more under him than Boris Johnson and Ken Livingstone has. So yeah. more and more strikes. But 8%. And, and, of course, that's permanent. So when inflation drops eventually down to 25 to 3% again, you're not going to take the money back, no. is he? So, again, we talk about public money. Mm. 
Sadiq Khan's throwing also, it around like TFL, confetti. Isn't TFL supposed to be broke? Well, it's been bust twice yeah. under Sadiq Khan. So he blames he the, everybody else. Where's he getting the money from? Yeah, he blames everybody else. But, but, and the reason for that was, of course, he didn't invest in infrastructure because for years he froze fares, mm. which meant there was no money to put back in. So talk about mishandling the thing, honestly. Another plank. He really is. <laughs> Well-deserved. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that was a very good case. It is a very good case. And one of the reasons why, apparently, they needed a pay rise is because they're being asked to work, I think, something like three or One night every evenings, three months or something. Yeah. No, three evenings a year. Yeah. But this is the same with the railways. You know, the government are trying to have a seven-day-a-week service, meaning that it won't just be up to people to volunteer to work Saturdays and Sundays. It'll be in their contract that they have to do, you know, the odd Saturday or Sunday. I mean, Christ, that's in so many people's contracts. But apparently this is cause for, you know, robust union action and potentially strikes. Well, I'm now just waiting for the unions to reject it. Because you know what they're they, like. Well, they might as well. Yeah, they're going to say, well, eight to Because they actually had, because, I mean, up until most recent strikes, they would do it in a way which was not, I think, drivers, but it was maybe the station staff or something. Yeah. So there would be some kind of skeleton mm. service. But there was a couple of weekends ago, uh, a couple of week, well, a couple of weeks ago, I suppose, where they just shut everything. Mm. Yeah. And, I mean, we, funnily enough, we were affected here on Plank of the Week because it was Kevin O'Sullivan and Lyndon Lucy, both of whom couldn't even get Could here. Could get here. Because mm. it was taking hours to, to move, like, half a mile. Although often but, I mean, it's... if Shadiq Khan had a backbone, he'd say, right, guys, you're already being paid well, well, well over the average wage Twice in London. the average Way wage. over the average public sector wage. You know, your jobs could potentially be um, automated. automated. Well, that's exactly what like like And you know DLR what? Is. I'd pipe down for now. You yeah. know, we don't have that many funds. TfL's gone bust. So for now, you know, just mm. keep going as you are. Mm. How difficult would that be? Well, maybe Instead, he just capitulates. This is the problem with two-term mayors, of course. They can only serve two terms, and he's going to get to the end of his term in another two and a half to three years. He doesn't really care. He's not accountable now. Well, thank goodness for that. But who Indeed. comes next? Isn't he trying to manoeuvre himself in for a third term, though? Well, no, I think he'll become an MP again and go for the leadership, surely. That's what he wants, party. isn't it? Prime Minister Khan. He'd yeah. be even worse than Starmer, wouldn't yeah, he? Yeah, we'd all have to check out, I think. If oh, he'd be if way Sadiq worse Khan than Khan. Than Starmer? Uh, than Starmer, yeah. yeah. Mm. Yes. He's hopeless. I well, agree. listen, I fully endorse uh, your nominee nomination <laughs> of Sadiq Khan, uh, who came very close to winning the whole thing last year, if it wasn't for Harry and Meghan. Well, I'm gunning for him to win it this year. Well, he could do. Although Vladimir Putin is doing quite well. He's probably um, he, He's the current carryover champion. He just moves from uh, week to week. So we'll probably have to use him as the carryover um, without Harry. Harry and Meghan are actually down a bit this, this year, even though they've still been pretty plankish. So who's your second uh, Well, they're nominee? not turning up to uh, today's, today's events, are they? Prince Philip Memorial, no. Um, Andrew was there, though. Andrew <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how that man shows his face. I, 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 have, I have no idea. How and why. Anyway, yeah. I guess it's acceptable for him to be there, um, for his father. Um... OK, well, who was my second plank? Oh, yes, another Labour politician, John Ashworth. Oh, yes. Is my plank of the week because he said in a media interview this week that Labour never wanted the schools to be closed. Now, if anyone does a little bit of investigative uh, journalism or some digging, you find that he tweeted the exact reverse of that and indeed pushed for schools to be shut on safety grounds. Mm. And if you look at the Labour, if you look at Labour, um, they were persistently calling for schools to be closed. Yes. They backed every demand from the unions, which, of course, was to keep those schools shut despite the, um, you know, the impact that that would have on children's lives and on their education. And now they're and coming out with their concerns that, a few, that this generation is going to be lost yeah, and, and that term. students, you know, that students have been badly let down by this government. I mean, come on, does anyone in this country believe that Labour would have kept those schools 
open. I absolutely do not. The teachers' unions still wanted to keep them closed. They still wanted mandated masks. Mm. I mean, no one believes these lies. And also, at the moment, they're still forcing children to wear masks in school, even though in almost every other setting, hardly anyone's wearing a mask, you know, apart from, like, in a hospital. But kids are being told to still wear masks, and it's all down to the unions, and it's all down uh, to people like Keir Starmer and Ashworth supporting them. And, and as we sit here, I think Scotland are about to vote in Cabinet about continuing their mask mandate, because that's worked out really well. It has, as because the they've now got the highest rates of all time. Yes, as despite if, the mask mandate. As if any second-grade <laughs> second politicians should even be able to get involved in such a decision but, but is you know, beyond me. You know me. the problem for John Ashworth? He's such a Westminster media tart, isn't he, that he's on and off the telly, yeah. left, right and centre, that he's kind of hoisted by his own... To Bard. He can't now come out, although clearly he has, but not with any credibility. Well, to Bard, did you yeah. say? Okay. You know, hoisted by your own. A pitard. But it's all right. <laughs> I think I'm not going to be. I'm not gonna... It's pitard, oh. isn't it? Oh, well. Which is a sort of self made bomb, apparently. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, I got Barry Gardner right, and uh, John Ashworth mixed up. How can a man look anybody in the eye and say, no, I never said that? I, no. I didn't call for, you know, not only. Well, especially when you mandate. know that you've been recorded saying it. Exactly, many, many, many times. Yeah. No, it's my point. Gas, it is gaslighting. I don't like that word, but it is. Yeah. You're essentially telling people that they're. But they were also calling what, for not just mask mandates, closure of schools, but harder lockdowns. Faster, quicker. I mean, that, that was only three or four months ago. I mean, that's they like were all saying, saying it. I didn't just nominate the BBC for Plank of the Week. It didn't happen. I didn't do it. Yeah. The fact that it's actually been recorded mm. and will go out, mm. people go. I think it's called a it's called a Borisism, isn't it? Probably. Well, I was going to say it's a bit Trumpian, isn't it? It's a bit like Donald Trump used to be very good at deflecting say same from, from something that he had said, and he would just say, "I never said that," mm. yeah. and they would just move on. Yeah. And you know, they show it to him. I mean, it's yeah, the same as that with... wasn't me. <laughs> it's the same as with the economy question, isn't it? Your Labour are going to be shocked that there isn't money. To spend on X, Y, Z, on every department, on the NHS and so on, education, more money, more money, they're going to ask for. Yet they don't, you know, acknowledge the fact that they would have, you know, shut down the economy even longer. Right. No and that has an impact. But no one in the Labour Party understands where the money comes from. They think it's a tree yeah. at the end of the Chancellor's yeah. garden. Well, I mean, to be fair to Rishi Sunak, as much as we've been giving him a hard time and saying he didn't really give very much back, if it was Starmer, he would have given us all twice as much, but he wouldn't have had it to do. Yeah. Well, quite. There's no acknowledgement of trade-offs, is And there? while we talk about Nicola Sturgeon, I have to mention this, because this was a very touching go for me. I did think I was going to nominate her, but it's not really her, but apparently Scottish schools have now decided to tell the kids that the Loch Ness Monster story uh, is a sort of um, imperialist construct. Um, and, in fact, right. it was invented by the racist English to make the Scots look bad. Wow. So they're now kind of on the warpath about... If I, I thought I it made the Scots that. look good. Well, I mean, I think Loch Ness Monster is rather a, a charming. Monster. It's a charming story, you know. People go to Loch Ness yeah. and spend money there because they're looking for the monster. Why would you it's not great encourage tourism. people to do it? It's great for tourism. So all those pubs and restaurants around Loch Ness now are mm. just going to fail on the basis. Of well, what apparently, they just said. it's all it's all our fault for trying to make the Scots look sure. like idiotic and as if they believe in things that aren't real. Well, some of them in Scottish government. Well, they believe pretty... in Scottish independence. Well, so in Scottish government, they're pretty <laughs> good at doing that themselves. <laughs> you know, well, last time I was on, obviously, we both got huge amounts of abuse from. Well, you always get a lot of abuse. fans. And what's quite funny about it is that we've both, we've both got Scottish heritage. Indeed, absolutely right. But they don't understand that because most of the people who really, really are fanatical actually aren't really Scottish anyway. No. That'll, that'll wind them up. Um, <laughs> is it me now? It's me, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. P&O Ferries. Hmm. Right. Now, that story came in a little bit too late for last week's uh, Plank of the Week. So it has to be P&O Ferries. I mean, I think they might even win it because of the guy who runs the place, Peter Hebblethwaite. Um, who was stupid enough to appear before some government committee and admit that, uh, 
He didn't bother consulting the unions before they made this decision, mm. um, which I think got John Ashworth quite upset. I think Ashworth was on the committee. Um, and he said, what, so you mean if you were driving down the road on a motorway at 70 miles an hour, you would just ignore the speed limit and drive at 90? Which I thought was kind of pointless analogy because an awful lot of people do do that, mm. you know. Um, but, he, but it was a kind of stupid thing to admit. I mean, why would you, you know, there are so many different ways you could have said it. But I guess the fact is they didn't, because then also there's a statutory duty to yeah. consult with the employees you're about to lay off, and they well, didn't do except, that either. Well, yeah, except there seems to be a kind of grey area here. Because, because it's based overseas. It's based overseas. The yes. ships are all registered in Cyprus. Yeah. The contracts are all registered in Guernsey. You know, it's, it's a good way of getting around the law. Yeah. And you can only really do it, I think, if you're a shipping company. But, I mean, if they seriously think, P&O ferries, that anyone is going to use them, that anybody is going to go, oh, I know, I'll book a ticket on P&O ferries. They've got two ships currently docked mm. in harbours because they've been boarded by, I think, the Coast Guard and have been ruled to not be the, seaworthy. Yeah, they're not Because they've hired all these characters um, who work for £1.86 an hour and who've clearly never been on a ferry in their life, never been across the channel. Yeah. It's quite a busy shipping lane, yeah. you know, like, like the busiest shipping lane <laughs> in the world. And you're going to say to this guy from the Philippines, you'll be all right. You just yeah, steer just it over it that way. There. Over there, <laughs> see that? That's fine. France. You go that way. Fine. You know, and I'm afraid it's, it's going to come down as one... It's going to go down well, surely as it, one of the it, biggest corporate blunders in history, So the, the, the media have definitely wound themselves up about it, and obviously we can see why. You know, a, a, a mass sacking, stroke redundancy of 800 people. But there is another side to this, of course, which is, look, this is a beleaguered business. This mm. is a business that's, you know... Uh, well, no wonder, because uh, the people uh, running it don't know what they're doing. No, 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 but they're, they're, <laughs> they're at the end of their funds. You know, they're in danger of going into administration. Um, and I guess if you were the board of that business and the, the decision had to be made that, look, the only way that we survive is to lay off 800 people, mm. frankly, I think most people in that position as a business owner or as a, as a business yeah, manager but why would they, make that decision. why are they in such trouble because it shouldn't be because of covid particularly because channel ferries were carrying freight and carrying all sorts of you know lorries backwards and forwards so, weren't they? I, I, I don't know what their revenues look like over the last couple of years compared to what they normally are but i would think they've probably hit been hit pretty hard whether it's tourism have they not also freight. been found to have taken furlough money as well yes yeah, so i think that was another reason yeah. why people were angry especially why the government was so furious about this right but i do agree that it perhaps was a little bit overblown in the media, simply because, well, for a number of reasons, but because people are made redundant every day of the week. Mm. I think what sticked in the craw was the uh, fact that these people have now been replaced by people who aren't even earning the minimum wage. But I do worry that the government, should they be allowed to just say, oh, you have to rehire these people? Yeah, but they can't. I don't, there's any you know, legal... They're allowed to change their business model, Mike. Well, they are, yeah. but what they shouldn't be allowed to do is to ride roughshod over employment no, law in the country in which they're operating. Well, I'm not yeah, sure they have. No. I think it has been well, said no, they, haven't. they haven't broken no, the law. No, they haven't. I mean, mm. Boris Johnson had to rescind that yeah, yeah, yeah. because he, he said, said they, they broke they the law had. in Parliament. And they, they, said, they did, but he did silence Keir Starmer, who didn't seem to have an answer for that. He mm. should have known, should he not, as a very forensic lawyer. As a Actually, he hasn't broken the law, so don't say it. But the point is that you know, there should be protection. You know, I'm not sitting here like Che Guevara, but there should be <laughs> there should be protection for, for people who work in an industry which is, you know, protected in all other ways. We'll apart see you from, out there but, chaining but, yourself to a ferry. But yeah, in well, terms of people's <laughs> memories, in terms of people's memories, I bet this year they'll take a hit. But if they survive, well, they claim right that 500 people out of the 800 have already agreed and signed a letter, and will get redundancy. Now, if not, but don't forget, mm. they weren't offering them a redundancy payment mm. of anything worth. But, but from a, a customer end, perspective, at the beginning, customer perspective, I bet give it till next year and the year after, and the year after, 
business as normal. Well, people all the Ramonas, right? All people the Ramonas with their little houses in the Dordogne, they'll all have no principles about it whatsoever. Yep. And I quite agree. They'll be quite happy to get the cheapest fare over there. Yeah, I mean, most people just care up, about the price. They'll load up the old Land Rover and off you go with Matilda and, you know, Justin. Yeah, off your truck. Off your truck down to the Dordogne. I'm, I'm driving to Le Mans, 24-hour race in a few weeks' time. And if it's a Piano ferry, I'll be getting Have you it. no care for the climate? Do you not know that that sort of event is now... And it's not an electric car either. Well, the one you're going in. Mm. Well, the Le Mans 24-hour race. Well, and that as well. Cars, yeah, 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 yeah. We're just going to go on regardless of whether I'm there or not. With this cost of living squeeze that's likely going to... It seems to, to be affecting hit, quirks. Hit the middle yeah, yeah, classes. I'm really worried about you know. it. It's going, to, <laughs> it's going to hit the middle classes, so I imagine many will make a virtue out of necessity and say, this year I'm holidaying at home. Yes. But these things go on regardless. My second home in the Cotswolds. These things go on regardless. Oh, no Santa Fe this year. Oh, yes. I mean, it is unbelievable. So, anyway, it looks to me as though it's still... One of those big corporate blunders, a bit like, do you remember uh, Pepsi when they decided to go blue? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and they actually uh, they paid, I think, a million quid mm. to advertise a wraparound on Daily Mirror. And we go, it was blue Pepsi. And it completely fell and failed. And nobody wants to drink Pepsi. Well, and blue. New Coke, do you remember that? Same new thing. Coke. New Coke was, recipe, yeah. which they then rescinded about three weeks later. Yeah, because it went back to the old one. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So I think this will go down as one of the great blunders. So that's <laughs> I my, think you're right. That's my second nomination. P&O Ferries um, and uh, All Who Sail in Them is what I would say. <laughs> uh, we'll have some more plates <laughs> coming next. <laughs> Welcome back to Plank of the Week. Emily Carver is here. Emily, I'm going to ask you for your third nomination. I think it's got to be Will Smith. Yes. The story everybody's talking about. <laughs> yes, the big punch-up at the Oscars. Although it was more of a... Slap-up. It was more of a bitch slap, slap yes. Slap-up, yes. Um, why is he a plank? Now, I know you sort of, you know, you think it was a bit of chivalry that he well, exhibited there. Well, I mean, I thought it was there, a bit but... chivalrous. And also, I don't think you should go around prosecuting people who do things at Oscar ceremonies, do you? I mean, a comedian presenting the awards, Chris Rock, made a joke... Perhaps it was in poor taste. It was a bit off colour. Referenced his wife's yeah. um, alopecia. Of course, his wife hasn't been particularly faithful in the past, but I don't think Will Smith has either. Well, with um, permission, To apparently. be fair. <laughs> yeah. uh, with permission, an open relationship. I don't think she deserves to have alopecia just because she's not faithful. No, of course not. But you would have thought that, that might be punishment. more of... It's <laughs> 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 That's not what I you meant. You'd be unfaithful, I'm going to take your hair. I didn't realise you had such a fundamentalist that's, sort of Christian view of the that's world. That's not yeah. what I meant. <laughs> Used to be you got struck by lightning, didn't it? Now you lose your hair, apparently. Yeah, apparently yeah. so. People can have open relationships if they want to. Anyway, he made this, this uh, presenter made this off-colour remark, off-colour joke. Will Smith is laughing along until suddenly he snaps. When and he saw decides... his wife's face, she well, yes, when he saw his wife's face. I don't think he got face. the joke at first. Perhaps and I think, not. I think that when it sunk in, then he kind of got worked up. Anyway, he charges up there and gives him a slap. Yeah. And then starts effing and blinding, telling him to take his wife's ma name out of his mouth. Is that really how a strong man behaves? Wouldn't it have been far more witty and more uh, poignant if he had, I don't know, grabbed the mic out of his hand and made some sort of quick a back. put down or something. Or yeah. put down yeah, at him. Yeah, but that's him, easier said than done. Seeing know? as they've had, you know, they've had previous. Yeah. And you know what? I think what makes him most plankish was not the slap in and of itself, what was the fact when he made a speech, he started crying and talking about how he's going to be a vessel for love, yeah. even though he's just slapped someone. Well, his defence was equally, it's all about love. Equally, it could mm. be... Sounds a bit dodgy. I know, it does, actually. I think that's he what they've been doing. Uh, anyway, uh, but it could be, actually, that all the lovies in the audience were the real planks because... You know, they've seen this assault on stage. They always talk about, you know, privilege and, you know, um, women's rights and 
I don't know, love and peace and all yeah. sorts. And they've witnessed this, what is an assault, okay, perhaps a minor assault. They didn't assault. know what to do, did they? And they're all giving him a standing ovation. Well, I, I think a lot of people thought it was staged at first. So if you're they in did. the audience, you think, hang on, I actor, never did, you see. actor. Well, no. And there was a poll yesterday, apparently, for over 40% of people think it was just made up yeah. staged. Well, they did at the time. Yeah, but now the trouble is, it's if you look at it in slow motion, it's clearly not staged. He yeah. does actually hit him. There are a yeah. lot of people saying, oh, he didn't hit him, he hit his arm. But no, it's a bit odd. Yeah, I, I thought it was staged. But, but, but my to see a man slap another man, I haven't seen that for, well, I don't think ever, actually. He might as well have grabbed his wife's handbag and kind of done that with the handbag. My Plank nomination is dependent on it not being staged. I, just I don't think it was staged, and I think the yeah. reason you can deduct, deduce that is if you watch the reaction of Chris Rock afterwards, he kind of is bewildered. He had to compose himself. He has to it's an interesting of... reaction, wasn't it? Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's not wow. the reaction wow. of somebody who was expecting Expect that to happen, do you know what I mean? Mm. I think that was a reaction of somebody who was genuinely quite shocked at what had just but, happened. In the grand scheme didn't really of things, know how yes. to react. Grand scheme of things, grown man who, look, and Will Smith has his own issues, doesn't he, in terms of, you know, watching his father beat up his he mother, apparently. He claims that he's a work in progress or something. Well, like and, and so apparently one of, his biggest, one of his biggest regrets in life is not intervening <laughs> when his father used to beat up his mother. So he's got a tiny mitigation there. But but I think this is an overblown storm in a teacup. This is a grown man I, I walks on the stage, yeah, That's slaps another grown man, <laughs> that said something a bit nasty. Is it a big deal? Of course it's not. Should he give no. him the, the Oscar back? Of course no. he shouldn't. Of it's course he shouldn't. It's the most exciting thing that's happened in the Oscars. What, to the Oscars? 80 years history. And didn't history. they just need the publicity? They used to have an audience this big and their yeah. audience now has shrunk to being about that big. So I it's great for the Oscars. Well, there's all this all talk about what they're going to do, whether they're going to ban him from the next one or take no, away his award. No, I think they should award. have Will Smith and Chris Rock jointly presenting it next year. But I think that might be the case because, of course, people are going to tune in just to and, see what happens next. And put them inside one of those MMA cage fights. What, or in head guards. And well, I said, club. I had Frank yeah. Warren on the show yesterday. I said, why don't you put them on the undercard of Dillian White? Fantastic. You know? Charity. Yeah, yeah, good idea. But, uh, which he would love to do because, mm. I mean, people would like to see them actually properly duking it out in the, in the ring. Mm. I just think it's, it's always... I mean, it's a bit like when you see people fighting in the street, you know, you don't go up and stop them fighting, do you? you just Mike, at it. the Radio Awards, right? OK, put yourself there. I've never been there. If, so, okay, if you were at the Radio Awards, <laughs> if you were nominated... <laughs> they never give me If you were nominated <laughs> for something other than Plank of the Week... Yes. <laughs> That's a bit harsh. A lot of people have said this, why you... do I not nominate myself? I if said, someone well, made a joke show. at one of your family members or your partners, you wouldn't go up there and give them a wallet. I might do. You don't know, do you? I might. Well, actually, you might, to be fair. I might. Who knows? I mean, you and I have been in a couple of uh, scary situations in the public uh, endeavour out there once in a while, and, you know, sometimes things get a little yes, heated. Mike sometimes gets a bit mm. of grief, but then he also perhaps... Uh, but, but in the scheme of things... Riles people up. In the scheme no, of things... If, if somebody was to have a go at my daughter, you know... You'd uh, slap them in front I, of millions I, I, of people. But in the I scheme might. of things, with all this other stuff going on, man slaps man. And that now has made worldwide headlines. It's the biggest news story, certainly, of the month, if not the year so far. Really? I guess because really? it's fun. And people can put their spin on it. You know, some people have somehow made it out of, um, out to be about white supremacy, even. Yeah. Huh? Some have said this is chivalry or that it's the reverse. I guess we can't say the Oscars are so toxic, woke anymore, can it we? Shows not toxic there's violence now. Now there's violence in the Oscars. Uh, but, I mean, there's also an awful lot of overreaction to it, isn't there? People saying this is not what our children should be seeing. I mean, obviously, there haven't been anywhere near a school lately mm. where there's more fights than you can shake a stick at yeah. every single day. Yeah. You know, kids yeah. are always fighting each other. So I, I guess the, the, the 10,000 gun murders in the US and the 200 you stabbings I mean, in London because, are all down to celebrities it's, slapping it's each other. It's not because they've just watched Will Smith no, at the Oscars. Exactly. I can tell you that, <laughs> you know. But uh, I've got a, a, a slight connecting link to that one, but I'll, I'll ask you for your... 
third so nominee. My, my third one is Homes for Ukraine, the scheme, the oh, Michael yeah. Gove scheme that was oh, announced yeah. about two weeks ago. Is that ago. the government's name for it? That's Homes for Ukraine, yeah. Right. Uh, and the reason I'm nominating it is because I believe it's just a glorified Michael Gove publicity stunt. Yeah. And the reason I think that is for, for two reasons. First of all, there's been about 20,000 applications, which everybody says, oh, it's fantastic, doesn't it show how benevolent the UK is? It's 21 million households yeah. in the UK, right. 67 million people. So far less than 1% of the entire UK household population have nominated I taking it, a Ukrainian refugee. I thought refugee. it was like 100,000 people had signed up to it. Well, I think though. they've pledged, but only 20,000 applications, according to the House of Lords okay. yesterday. 20,000 right. have actually... Well, and, see, I said this at the time. It was another virtue signaling But only 2,000 have been approved. So only 2,000 yeah. have been approved. Um, and, and here's the second reason, apart from the fact that it, look, it's clearly been a failure already, um, is the fact that I, I happened to, long story, I interviewed a girl on Sunday who is Ukrainian and is, um, has been displaced and she's in mm. Poland right now. And I asked her this very question about where you're going to go. And she said, I don't want to go anywhere. She said, I will, I'll stay wherever I need to, close to home. One way or the other, I want to go mm. home. Yeah. I don't want to go to the UK. I don't want to go to the US. Mm. I don't automatically want to go and live 5,000 miles away. I'm Ukrainian. Yeah. I want to go back to the Ukraine. And they've so, pledged that they want to rebuild the country yeah. as well. So there is an rubbish. assumption that people just always no, no, want but that's to come the thing. here, isn't it? It's rubbish yeah. that 3 million people want to now dissipate over to other countries of the world. It's not true. It's so it's plankish. Yeah. Do you know what, though? I wrote a column about this scheme, thinking that if it worked well, it could be a really good example of, you know the government allowing us to, you know, get on with it, rather than having the government sort of organise yeah, these things top like down. You. But they haven't, because obviously because you need they've got to get the DBS checks, yeah. you've got to get the heating no, but, You know the checks, other mad thing? You've got to have checks. a name of the family. How many of us know Ukrainian families well, you know, they've got by name? No, 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 no. there's a big way around there's, there's that. There's a big way around that on social media. They've set up Facebook groups where people in... The sort of in the Polish sort of areas where they're where they're fleeing to mm. are taking names and putting them on uh, Facebook groups. Great, but so even so, still only twenty thousand applications. Yeah, out of three million refugees, twenty grand a out week. Of three million refugees, yeah. twenty thousand applications. It doesn't work. It's a disaster and it's a PR stunt. Also, I don't think, and I said this at the time, it's not the government's business to tell us to take people into our homes. Mm. You know, whether it's a nice thing to do or not is not the issue. The government no, is responsible. No, but they should stop people from. Well, it's not about stopping them if or you encouraging want to, them. Why shouldn't you have a Ukrainian in your home if you want to? I think it's good that they've opened up that route at least. Well, not really, because I think it's a dangerous precedent to set. I don't yeah, but think. Where else? You know, is, you, otherwise, you can't now I mean, not take refugees have, from I mean, Syria. We've already seen that there are there are problems with human trafficking going on now. No, I know. It's, people it's... are turning up in vans yeah, yeah, yeah. and Sexual loading assault, up people into the back of a van, driving mm. them to Britain, mm. and going, "Yeah, here's your new life in Britain." Go and, uh, go and of course, we did this during over there during the Second World War for the mm. children who were unaccompanied. Took them. Yeah, we did, People but that was a very different. I think that was but, a very but, different but thing. There has been a difference, though, in terms of you know, my my view is that this scheme has failed. It's just not done the job that Michael Gove no. wanted to say in the headline it would do. But there seems to be rather a difference then in terms of that appetite, both government and public, in terms of taking refugees from other parts of the world. Mm. Why is that? It's very there's complicated. A disparity. You know, it's we took well, a lot, I mean, we took a lot of kids, for example, from Bosnia and during the Balkans War back in the sort of nineties, and many of them came with their parents or with their mothers, certainly, because their fathers fighting and many of them were put into schools in this country and that mm. was all fine and then most of them went back afterwards right but it also displaced an awful lot of people in schools in areas here because the school systems are already creaking mm. you know oh, the no, hospitals no, I are completely already agree. creaking yeah. and it's all very well to say oh well it's a nice thing to do to put somebody in your home yeah. well it might be well, but it's system. very complicated yeah some people live in like cloud cuckoo land where they think that you can open the borders 
you know, entirely and yeah, not expect any no changes borders. to public services. And I mean, housing crisis. Also, given the you know, fact people that complain about the housing crisis, yet they're willing to open yeah. borders. Also, they're not willing to open their houses to the homeless. They're not willing to open their houses to any of the illegal migrants who seem to be coming here. Yeah. Like thousands. Point, I mean, my five million quid a day we're spending on this rubbish. My argument yeah. would be that this is preferable, far, pref far more preferable to, you know, spending 20 grand a week on hotels. I agree. Uh, on one hotel I to agree. house. But none of those people should be here in the first place. Well, so, I mean, you know. the government aren't doing anything but, about but that, the difference is refugees and migrants from Iraq and Afghanistan want to be here. The Ukrainians, yeah. from what I'm seeing, don't want to be no, here permanently. They no. certainly don't. But we set up a scheme for them, but not done anything no, for anybody I know. A friend, else. A friend of my family's who lives in western Ukraine, she's OK at the moment, but she said, no, I don't want to come. Yeah. She wants to go to Poland if she has to. Mm. Well, you know, there's a lot worse places to live than Poland. There's certainly a lot worse places in Britain. To but they've shut, they, they shut the door now, I think. Yeah, I think they probably have to. Mm. Right, my final nominee is, uh, and she uh, has an opinion on Will Smith. Oh, yes. Uh, is Whoopi Goldberg. Ah, Whoopi. That's uh, the dreaded woman who was once removed from a television talk show in America because she didn't think that anti-Semitism was actually racist. Oh, God, that was awful. Remember that? Yeah. And she was suspended, mind you, just for two weeks because she had to go and learn and educate two herself. Two weeks? Yeah, what two weeks. I know, because apparently you can't be racist against other white people. According to her, that's what the law says as well. That's what her uh, that's what her uh, mm. treaties was. But this week, uh, she's been having to go to the royal family, and she's basically demanding because that's what people like her do that the royal family apologise for Britain's history of slavery. <laughs> right? This is a woman who knows even less about slavery than she knows about anti-Semitism, and she also doesn't even know how to speak because her 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 actual quote was, "We cannot ignore the fact that Britain ran ramshod over India for years." Now, ramshod is not a word. <laughs> roughshod rough is a word. might be. You could have said roughshod, rough yeah. but she didn't say roughshod, she said ramshod, yeah. uh, which really doesn't work. Let us not forget when we talk about what needs to happen, all the folks that need to apologise, she says. Yeah. And this, and this is, is off the back of Charles going to Barbados, but also uh, William and Kate being in the Caribbean last week yeah. and some of the people demonstrating about the fact that it all looks a bit colonial. And, I mean, in my view, it wasn't a very wise trip to make. No. And somebody should have said to them, I wonder that there are... I think, I, I'm beginning to wonder whether they're not people in the Foreign Office who are so anti-government and anti-royal sort of royal family that they keep giving they everyone... Want to stitch them up. Stitch them up wrong advice. Oh, yeah, yeah, you should definitely go. That'll be great. Good idea. Well, I think, you know. sure, acknowledge our history, teach about slavery, but I don't see what these sort of demands for apologies or reparations actually achieve? Well, but, but the, I mean... As far as I'm aware, the Queen's never had slaves, right? And, and I don't think she's complicit in slavery, so I don't see how she should or could apologise. But, but Whoopi Goldberg, one of the most privileged people on the planet. Mm. I'd like her to apologise for all those terrible films she made. Because, <laughs> I mean, most of them, to be honest, are not really up to much. But we yeah. seem to act like Britain is a uniquely evil country. Well, it is, Or that we were the first and last ever empire to exist. Yeah. But, but you know and who started slavery? Slavery started by the Africans yeah. in Africa. People's history seems to start and stop around what's politically yeah. you know, expedient for them mm. to use. It's, it's infuriating. I think we all need to uh, make sure that history is taught better in our schools. Mm. I think that's, that's very what true. I do if I was And if the Queen apologise... Yeah, I mean, imagine teaching history in schools. That's a pretty radical idea now. Mm. It is, though. No, you but even it. when I was you at school, it. it was so rubbish. And I went to a very good school. They would teach, you know, the Tudors and then the Aztecs the next week right. and then a bit of World War II and a bit of Northern they Ireland. They jump about a lot, don't they? Yeah, jumping about. Yeah, so my kids are all learning about Viet Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. And the Vietnamese, no. well, I'm like, why are you doing Vietnam War for? You should learn chronological British history. <laughs>
chronological British history, and then if you're interested in history, learn about also, other, other countries. Other mm. If you want to learn about the Vietnam War, you just watch Apocalypse Now. You don't yeah. have to go to school for that, you know. That's what I say. <laughs> and the, here's what Prince William said. He described the slave trade as abhorrent and he expressed profound sorrow. But apparently that wasn't good but enough. But he's been criticised for not like, actually apologising. He didn't say sorry. But what difference would it make? Huh? If the royal family apologised, what difference would it make? It None make whatsoever. None no. whatsoever. Because the problem but now is... But also everyone who ever sold a slave should apologise. Every, you know, every... Yeah, but, but did Whippy well, Goldberg... Well, there was quite a lot of selling of slaves going on in the Caribbean, it seems to well, me. Because, because I mean, Whippy Goldberg were... has been how many times to the White House? The white, the white House in the US. Yeah. She's been to the White House many, many times. It was built by slaves. So oh, how, can she, how can she rock up as, as a visitor to, you know, various presidents over the years, as, as, as she's done, but knowing that the building that she's actually rocking up to and is in was built by slaves? Why didn't she boycott it? Who even is Whoopi Goldberg? Yeah, well, she used to be a comedian. Ah. Well, I think we just made her more famous great... than she deserves yeah. to be. Now she's a great thinker. She used to be quite funny. Now she's a great <laughs> really? philosopher and historian, apparently. <laughs> but that's what American television does for you. Right. It's um, the American we're gonna, dream. We're going to wrap it up. Coming up next, we're going to find out who's going to win Plank of the Week. So we are down to the final uh, three. We're going to have to try and whittle it all down. We've got nine nominations plus the carryover, which again is Vladimir Putin. Uh, all we've got to do now uh, is whittle it down to three. So, Emily, why don't you tell Russell what your three nominations were and he can pick one. They were John Ashworth. Shall I just save you the trouble? Will Smith. You're going to go for Will Smith, Plank yeah. of the Week? OK. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think you have to, right? He has to be the last. <laughs> he certainly is the one, the man in the in news. Yeah, right, yeah, so you tell me yours. Yeah, so uh, mine were Save the Children, yeah. Charity, <laughs> uh, Sadiq Khan and uh, TFL and Homes for Ukraine. Yes. I think it's going to be Save the Children. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the correct answer. That is the correct answer. So now you've got a chance to excel yourself yet again. Mine were <laughs> the BBC, P&O Ferries and Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Whoopi. You think it's Whoopi? <laughs> There we go. So Will Smith, Whoopi Goldberg and Save the Children. That's quite an unusual mix. That is an unusual mix. We've never mix. had those three see, I, I don't Oh, maybe Smith not Whoopi should... then. Maybe we should go... I don't think Will should Americans. win. I think Will's too obvious. I think he should be in the last three as he is, but I think Will Smith is too obvious a winner. Save the Children. I'm a bit biased. To but... be honest, that was an extraordinary story. I didn't believe it when I read it. Yeah, it's true. So I think it's got to be actually Save, save the, children. the Children. Turning away £750,000. Yeah, I could go And that. also, I imagine people are fed up with Will Smith. Yes. They might be. Also, he's in recovery now, so it might be unfair yeah. to make And some people may not have heard the Save the Children story, mm. and they need to. Yeah, I must admit, I hadn't heard it, so yeah. you've certainly educated me, and so have you. And so have we all been educated, <laughs> because that's what we do here at Talk Radio TV. So, Save the Children, well done for refusing money that could have saved the children, <laughs> because it wasn't virtue signalling enough for you. Save the Children, planks of the week. Thanks to Emily, thanks to Russell. We'll see you next time. Yeah.